0: Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, taking an in-depth look at the book of 1 Peter. The first letter of Peter was written to Christ's followers who were scattered throughout the known world. They were learning to live out their faith in a whole new world. Peter doesn't want them to be surprised by suffering and persecution. He wants them to see those things as an opportunity to live out their faith. As we study this book together, we'll learn that no matter what happens, we have a God who cares for us, and we have the hope that we will one day be with Him. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy! So we're glad you're joining us today as we begin this study on that book of 1 Peter. So let me just give you a little background about it. Uh, It was written, obviously, by Peter, one of the first disciples. At the time that he comes on the scene, his name is not Peter. His name is uh, Simon, or Simone, as they would say uh, in the Middle East. And he was part of the inner circle of Jesus' 12 disciples. When he made the confession that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus did something important. Jesus changed his name. Now, his name that he gave him was Kephos, That's Aramaic for rock, and later it's translated into Greek to Petros, or as we anglicize it, Peter. And Jesus promised that Peter would become a leader among all the apostles, and that he would guide this messianic community in Jerusalem in its earliest years, and that's exactly what happened. Eventually, though, Peter was called to carry the good news, the gospel of Jesus, beyond the borders of Israel. And this letter, 1 Peter and the second one, 2 Peter, were written decades into that mission in the the greater Roman Empire. So uh, just so you know, this was a circular letter, and what I mean by that is that it was one that was sent to multiple churches to be read in those churches throughout the Roman province of Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. We're going to put a map on the screen here just so you get a little idea of that. So you can see uh, Italy on the uh, far side, then you, you jump over, you can see uh, Macedonia, and then you, you jump over a, l- a little bit more, uh, and that is modern day Turkey. And so this letter was written to those, those towns in the provinces just below the, the Black Sea in that part of the world. So that that's what was going on, and he was doing that because Peter had learned that the mostly non-Jewish Christians in this part of the world were being persecuted. Uh, They were facing hostility and harassment from their Greek and their Roman neighbors, and Peter wanted to write them to encourage them in the midst of their suffering. Um, So uh, in the first century, you know, here's the reality. You could have your different views, your different philosophies, but one's ultimate allegiance was supposed to be to the emperor. Uh, the emperor of the entire Roman Empire, and basically that really encircled the whole Mediterranean Sea area. And uh, you were expected to give allegiance and honor and worship to the emperor uh, uh, above all things. Otherwise, it may not go so well for you. Uh, You can actually see the implications of this Played out in Jesus' ministry. When the emperor appointed governor of Israel, remember his name was Pontius Pilate, when he wanted to free Jesus after he had been arrested, the leaders of Jerusalem backed Pilate into a corner because Pilate had actually said that Jesus was the king of the Jews. And those leaders called Pilate's allegiance to the Roman emperor into question, publicly shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. So to Pilate, the threat was very clear. If it looked like he opposed the emperor, he would lose his power and maybe much more. So in studying this letter to First Peter at this time in our lives, I think it's very valuable. It's, a, it's an opportunity for us to get a perspective on the times that we're actually living through today in 2021, and honestly, how we should live during this time. Now, I need to say this. When you read First uh, uh, Peter, you, you see the suffering and the persecution that's alluded to, but there's no evidence in First Peter or anywhere else that the Christians in Asia Minor experienced moder- martyrdom. They weren't being killed for their faith at that point. Uh, there was no organized, state-sponsored, empire-wide persecution at that time. But Peter wrote to Christians who were experiencing sporadic mistreatment and abuse and ridicule and shame simply and only because they identified With Jesus Christ. Now think this through. This was a a new sect, a new religious sect, Christianity was. And uh, this sect and every follower of Christ seemed to threaten the very fabric of the religious culture of both Roman and Jewish societies. Because here's what was going on. They refused to worship the gods of that culture. They had an exclusive message of salvation and they had some odd practices and customs and they believed in a God who became a human and rather than triumph and establish his kingdom as expected, he had been killed only to rise again, they claimed, from the dead. So the Christians to whom Peter wrote were exiles in the world that they once called their own. Because remember, they had been part of this Roman and Greek culture. It had once been the place that they called home, but now their allegiance to Jesus above other cultures, above other religions, even above the emperor meant that they were foreigners where they lived. And so the apostle Peter left Israel, and he traveled into the heart of the Roman Empire, and he went to encourage fellow believers. He did this through both personal visits and through these letters. And and I want us to look at how this letter starts. In the first two verses, this is what we read. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. So, big picture here. Peter is writing to this very diverse group of followers of Jesus. They are men and women. They are slaves and free people. They are Jewish and non-Jewish people. And he's giving them a vision of who God says that they are. He says that they are God's elect. This means that regardless of how they see themselves, they are being told that God values them by calling them elect. And think this through, by by calling this diverse group of people God's elect and then by calling them exiles, this is a very powerful statement. Because if you know the history of how these words are used in the Old Testament, you see that these are the very words that God used to describe Israel. And so Peter is actually identifying them with God's chosen people with Israel. He's saying, listen, it doesn't matter if you weren't born Jewish. If you become a follower of Jesus, you are God's elect. If you are a follower of Jesus, you're in exile in this world because your ways have now identified with my ways, and you're not part of the culture. And again, this is really important. He was speaking this indiscriminately to both Jews and Gentiles or or non-Jews, and it was a clear message that the good news of Jesus was not for a select few, but the good news of Jesus was for everyone. Now after Peter names those five provinces that were in the letter uh, that he read among the church, he goes, back to affirming these Christians and affirming that they were chosen in advance by God, or as he says, by God's foreknowledge. He's saying that they were chosen by God, and even though they are exiles or strangers in this world where they live, their scattering happened by the foreknowledge of God, who knew all of this in advance and who cares for them according to their fatherly care. Isn't isn't that amazing? That God would know that they would feel the ostracization, that they were exiles in a country that had been theirs where they had grown up in, and now they felt like foreigners. And God knew the tension and the issues that would come upon them, and that sense of being exiles in a foreign land. And he's caring for them through these words that he's given Peter. Those are the kinds of words that we need from our Heavenly Father. And then Peter goes on and he he says that the Spirit of God uh, has been sent to them. He's affirming that they have the Spirit that has made them holy as the Holy Spirit molds them and helps them grow in their faith even through what they're experiencing. And finally, Peter affirms that They are living obediently to Jesus because Jesus has cleansed them from sin by his death on the cross for each and every one of them. And then as he brings that opening paragraph to a close, he closes that greeting with these words, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Now that's significant. That's significant because grace and peace are two different greetings that People would give depending on their racial background. And so grace would be a way that a Greek-speaking person, someone who grew up in a Greek culture, would say would greet somebody. And peace or shalom would be the way somebody who grew up as an Israelite, a Hebrew, would greet someone. So again, you know, Peter, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is demonstrating that the gospel of Jesus Christ... It's for all people. Now, I want you to see that all of this uh, that we see in First Peter, what he's speaking to those first century Christians in that area of the world that we call Asia Minor are also words that he's speaking to us today. In the 21st century, wherever you live, and while the world has changed dramatically since those, some things have not changed. You see, God knew what would be happening in the world for us in 2021. He would know what we've lived through in 2020, and so God knew this. He knew we would be going through a scary global pandemic. He knew that there would be racial unrest in our country. He knew that there would be struggles to heal and resolve those issues that are country continues to wrestle with. And he knew that there would be a, a fractured culture, fractured by the, the political division and the cultural division. And yet, these words of First Peter are for us today. On February 7th, 2021, they are for us. So God wants us to know that he chose us, he chose you and me to be here at this moment in time, And that He saved us from our sins by redeeming us through the work of Jesus on the cross. And when we came to believe in Jesus, He filled us with the Holy Spirit to make us holy and to help us accomplish the will of God on earth while we're alive on this earth, even going through everything that we're going through. So we know these are challenging and difficult times but we know that God's word is eternal and it speaks to us always. And so with that in mind, there are two very important sections of this first chapter of 1 Peter that I believe will help us accomplish God's will in the world through our lives. And so I want to look at those two sections. Here's the first section, and what I've titled it is this: We have hope. This is what Paul Peter, excuse me, this is what Peter writes beginning in verse 3. And the last time. So Peter starts off this section worshiping God for what God has lavished on all of us. He writes, because God is merciful, God has offered to save all of us by sending Jesus to pay for our sins through his sacrificial death and resurrection. When we accept that, God says that we are given a new birth. In other words, it's that idea that we've been born again. Even though what we are, are years past being, uh, coming out of our mother's womb, we are born again. And, and what are we born into? We're born into a living hope. That hope is that, is the one that he's talking about, is the sure and the certain expectation of eternal life. When our bodies cease to exist, it's not just the end. We are going to be raised to eternal life. One scholar writes this, hope in the New Testament always relates to a future good. Amid present and difficult dangers, we are justified in viewing the future with optimism because we are securely attached to the God who deals in futures. God deals in our future. Furthermore, he goes on, our hope is a living hope because it finds its focus in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our living hope comes from a living, resurrected Christ. We have this hope. In the next verse, Peter talks more about this future hope, calling it an inheritance that is kept in heaven for us, that can never perish, can never spoil, can never fade. Now, Peter used that triple word picture to describe our inheritance. And so, let's see what he says about it. Our inheritance can never perish. spoil, or fade. That means these adjectives indicate that our inheritance is untouched by death. It's unstained by evil. And it's unimpaired by time. Our inheritance then is death-proof, sin-proof, and time-proof. Now, because you've decided to believe in Jesus, that means your future in heaven is guaranteed. When you die, death cannot steal it. Because you've accepted Jesus' forgiveness for your sins, even though you will sin again, because we are all sinners and we can't help ourselves, but because of what Jesus did for us, our sin cannot steal our salvation. And there's no time limit on this promise. So just as it was for Peter's generation in the first century, so it has been a promise for every century all the way up to today. And it will be for every century going forward until Christ returns. It can never fade, perish, or spoil. At the end of verse 4, Peter says that this inheritance is kept in heaven for us. Uh, A little understanding here of the original language will help us. In the New Testament, uh, it was was written in uh, the word kept means to guard or to reserve. And, And the tense of that verb is very important. The tense of that verb emphasizes the state or condition. And it underlies the fact that the inheritance that is for us, it already exists and that it's being preserved for us. So God himself has reserved this inheritance in heaven for everyone who professes faith in Jesus Christ. And it continues to be there, and it's still reserved for us. So the difficulties we experience cannot undermine the certainty of our coming inheritance. Do not doubt your salvation. Do not let the difficulties in life, the uncertainties in what you look at when you see what's going on in the world, discourage you and make you uncertain about your salvation. It's there. It's kept for you. The last part of this section, Peter tells us that God himself shields or guards our salvation. Now, uh, please don't read this as God will shield us from pain or trouble in this life It's not saying that. In fact, remember the words of Jesus who made it very clear. He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So don't take this that God's going to shield us from trouble. That's part of the human condition that we all will experience. So my brothers and sisters in Christ, I want us... To remember that in these crazy days that we live in, that God has prepared an inheritance for us. He has filled us with the Holy Spirit. He has given us a hope that can never go away. So we need to lean into that hope that we can never lose. So that's the first part of this section, that we have hope. And I want you to remember that. Uh, But let's look at this second section that, that I think is equally important. And it's this, we have holiness. The second section initially points back to the first section we just looked at. And it says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. But this very verse not only points back, but it also points to the future because it tells us to set your hopes on the grace to be brought to you. And so Peter is reminding us that the future hope is guaranteed. So in this present life, we have to keep the long view in mind. You know, salvation is ours. This future hope has a practical application. So let me just give you an idea about the long view. You know, there's a big football game later on today, all right? The first team that scores cannot think that the game is over and that they've won. They have to keep the long view. They have to play through the whole game. They have to keep doing what they've been training to do throughout the entire game if they hope to win it. That's the long view. The short view would say, oh wow, we scored, we win. And that's not the way it works. So in verse 14 it says this as obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. In other words Peter wants us to know that this hope that we have that that we have been saved by that we're not supposed to go back to the old sinful self-centered ways of life. Now let me make this clear Uh, Being obedient, being holy, following the commands of Jesus, that does not save us. No amount of doing good deeds will make us followers of Jesus, and it does not give us eternal life. But when we truly believe in Jesus, that belief will produce obedience in our lives. As Peter said earlier, we are born to a new living hope. That means we no longer conform to the old ways of life. We don't conform to the ways of the world or the current attitudes of the culture. Instead, we conform to the example of Jesus. A big part of our culture that we live in today Doesn't like to go through difficult times. Doesn't like to experience suffering or harsh realities. Honestly, none of us do. But Christians aren't called to conform to that world, but to follow the example of Jesus. And I need to remind us always that Jesus came. It was prophesied that he would be our suffering servant. And so he came to serve us even if it called us to suffer and the, true may, the same may be true for our lives. And so just as Jesus pursued holiness, we need to follow his example and pursue holiness also. And this is why Peter says this, but just as he who called you is holy so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, I am holy. Let me just give you a simple definition of the word holy. It means to be set apart. In other words, to be different than the rest of everything else. In this case, God is holy. He's not like the culture of the world. He's not like humanity. And so we're supposed to Be like God, be like the Son of God, Jesus, and not like our culture. That's what it means to be holy. Let me share this quote with you to help you understand it a little bit more. Holiness includes a specific moral sense of separation from evil and a dedication to a life of right living. The lives and attitudes of Christians should be qualitatively different because of their relationship to God Through Jesus Christ, holiness produces in our lives a loving conformity to God's commands, which ultimately produces the character of God in us. When we seek to be holy and reject the culture of the world, we can look forward to what is to come. So as I bring this message to a conclusion, you know, through these difficult days, this is what I want you to have. I want you to have hope. I want you to have hope that, that things will get better, that we have a God who loves us and cares for us, and there is something greater than what we are experiencing right now. As Christians, we may be tempted to look to secular leaders or to politicians for hope, but that's the wrong place to look. I want you to remember that the living hope that you have in Jesus Is the hope that you need to cling to. And as you learn to cling to that hope, then seek to do what Jesus calls us to do, to be holy like God is. It is in times like this that followers of Jesus need to demonstrate to the world the way through this darkness and through these struggles is by knowing that you have the promises and the hope of eternity in Jesus Christ, and that you have sought to follow him and his holiness. So be hopeful and be holy. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.